it's for this reason that I didn't make it into regional semifinals for the Shark Rodeo because they changed the rules midway through and they mandated chainmail shirts. I'm not doing it. You're a traditionalist. I mean, everybody knows that. Oh, hey, what's up, everybody? Call it a sport while people are wearing chainmail. Come on. <laughs> Welcome to Wednesday night, uh, the best night of the week to watch podcasts intros post shows regular shows all that end of the day there's a video going out with a brawl between all the podcasts and let's be honest the guys with the maracas the machetes and the whips are clearly gonna win and this is the video evidence that we survive so uh welcome to another episode of sawdust talk we're super happy that some of you are watching and uh later you might be listening hello uh, I'm Braden with a little bug woodworking. Uh, I got my friends Jesse from Building Jesse and TJ with TJT Workshop here. And tonight, before we introduce our special guest, uh, who has a very interesting origin story, uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Surf Prep and George Supply Co. Uh, if you haven't checked out Surf Prep's abrasives, um, their personalities are not abrasive, but their abrasives are freaking abrasive. So get up in that. Uh, the best thing about surf prep and George supply co too, is they let us just make up whatever we want to say at the beginning of these things. And that's, that's a freedom we need. So, uh, welcome Mark, Mark Adams, Mark Adams pictures. That's me. Hey buddy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. We're so, excited to have you let's just let's just eat into this because you you're part of an art form that we don't normally have guests that are like focused in belly dancing um, yeah that's a that's actually that's the perfect segue to what i really wanted to talk about um why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself what you do um you know the whole elevator elevator pitch thing uh well i've been a commercial photographer for 20 plus years Probably more than that, honestly, but I don't really want to admit that. Um, and I've shot, I don't know, 20 years of that was in studio. And then I uh, shifted into the portrait thing. And that's how I met the maker community. Just like bumped into the maker community? Like you were just doing some Tell portraits us, at JCPenney? you <laughs> makers and, and then, motorcycles. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, so, all right. So in Cleveland, Ohio, there's... Um, Skidmark Garage, that's the community motorcycle garage uh, that my friends Brian and Molly have. At the And then the nonprofit side of that is uh, MotoGo Cleveland. Um, and that brings shop classes back to high schools by bringing Honda 350s, I think, like in the 70s Honda version. So they've got carburetors, they've got drum brakes, they've got all those stuff. Um, and they teach kids who don't have the opportunity to have shop classes since so many shop classes are closed down. Um, so anyway, five or six years ago, I guess, I was on a motorcycle trip across the U.S. Um, I left California, uh, hopped on my motorcycle, camped off it for four or five months, um, stopped into Cleveland to do some work on it because I could rent some time on the bench. And then... Uh, Fell in love with Cleveland, fell in love with everybody there because Cleveland is an amazing city. Um, then I moved all my stuff there and I was hanging out. I'd set up my stuff uh, in the building for some other event. Um, and then Lincoln had some people come in for 
some social media stuff. This was the year before spring make, so that was 2018. And um, I had a set a little bit more elaborate than I use at Maker Camp uh, set up. And I can't remember who was the first one, but there were probably 20 makers that had come to Cleveland from invited by Lincoln and they had classes and they kind of talked about how they would work together. Um, and so I saw them walking around my garage and I was like, oh, they got a cool look. So let me grab them and take some shots. So I took, took a couple pictures and they're all like, hey, let me get a picture with Jimmy. And I'm like, who's this Jimmy guy? And uh, so then I sent the pictures off to them because they were just in another part of the building having uh, hanging out. Um, eating some Chinese food in the garage. And that's how I met the maker community. It was really 100% random. And uh, so that's how so I was. So Jimmy Dressa was there. Yeah. yeah. How are so many of these, like, this is how I got connected to the maker community. How many, how, how are so many of them centered around like Jimmy Dressa, just like popping into stories all over the place? <clears throat> well, I mean, I think like he has such a great, um, platform to you know kind of spread what you can do with your hands and you know his personality is really you know obviously outgoing and very talented um and once you've kind of seen what the maker community is emotionally for people it's just really great to be a part of that so i think jimmy really kind of brings everybody into that well if he brought you into it then were we're writing, all lucky please <clears throat> what's that I said, well, if he brought you into it, then um, we're all just uh, really lucky. So, TJ like can't control himself. He wants to ask motorcycle questions. I can tell. It's all right. You can ask as many as he wants. Oh my god, I'm chomping at the bits. What were you riding across the country? Uh, 2007 uh, BMW Dakar, so F650 GS. It's their kind of their dual sport. Wonderful. It's not. It's not a great okay. bike at either dirt or road, but it's okay for both yeah i had a kawasaki versus i have the same opinion of that bike yeah and then i mean they're fine they're very comfortable but if you get them in the dirt you're like ah the weight's a little too front or it's a little too back or it's a little too top so so what do you still have the versus or no i have a bandsaw now oh those are harder to ride yeah much harder to ride but my love affair runs just as deep Okay. Now I uh when the second when the second kid came around, um I had to had to take a break from motorcycles, but I have driven a, a Ural with the wife. Um <laughs> right, okay. that's the, the sidecar rig. Uh -huh. And uh I'm just waiting for the boys to get just a little bit older and then we're gonna blast the Indiana Jones theme on loop from a Bluetooth speaker and right. ride a Ural all over St. Louis. Okay. Like you do. Now that's where you're at? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I rode actually up through St. Louis. <clears throat> so yeah, did you come in on seventy? Uh, let's see. Because well, I when I started, I left California, or I went. I left San Francisco, rode down to L.A., L.A. to Vegas, Vegas to Phoenix, Phoenix to Tucson, Tucson to like the Bisbee area, and then down through uh, a little bit of Oklahoma, just a little tip of Texas up through uh, Missouri and Indiana. Yeah, 44 into St. Louis. Very cool. Yeah, 
That's beautiful country. Did you happen to stop by the salt flats that they have hidden in Oklahoma? Uh, I didn't stop by the salt flats, but I went through the uh, white sands in New Mexico. Very cool. Very, very fun stuff. Also mentioning 70s Honda 350s actually have the frame for one like 20 feet from me right here. Okay, nice. We, yeah, we're going to geek out about motorcycles and cameras the whole show, but um let's let's talk a little bit more about the the Cleveland scene and yeah. what what you thought maybe initially sparked the joy of hanging around with all of these greasy weirdos. Well, so when I when I moved there or when I when I rode through there um there was this there's a building that has a bunch of different uh, businesses in it and they're it's very rough and industrial. And one was uh, Skidmark. Another one was uh, Rust Belt Riders, which does compost. Uh, another one was my friend's uh, business, RBX, which is Rebuilders Exchange. They do um, architectural salvage. So they've got about 70,000 square feet of architectural salvage material. So you've got flooring, you've got doors, windows, turn of the century stuff, porcelain, whatever you want. Um, and they do uh, fabrication in the back of that um, through their fab lab. Uh, where they do like railings, they'll do custom furniture, they'll do um, anything out of metal you want. So if you wanted like window screens or anything like that, they'd do that. Um, and then upstairs in that building was Soulcraft um, Woodshop, and that was a community motor, a community maker space focused primarily on wood, but now they do wood and there's um, Urban Forge teaches uh, blacksmithing classes on the weekends. Um, you can like rent your own personal space in there and kind of start your making thing and like kind of maybe build a business plan um, and then kind of use that as a, as an incubator to kind of decide if you want to do it. Um, and so all these places were all focused on just kind of giving back, being part of a community. And that really appealed to me because I was looking for a place to, to land. So where are you right now? Are you in Cleveland right now? Can you tell no, me? Right now like... I'm in Portland. I split my time between Portland and Cleveland because I have family and grew up here. And then uh, Cleveland's where, uh, every, where Cleveland's where I really want to build out what I do. Um, but Portland is uh, where I've got to be right now. And I love Portland. You know, since I grew up here, I've, I'm very familiar with it. But I spent most of my life on the West Coast. And now I want to just just a different vibe. Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon. Portland, Portland Oregon. Georgia. Yeah, Portland, Oregon. West Coast, best coast. Just saying. He's making the most. Yeah, when are you going to come down one of the maker meetups? Time difference. He's like, yeah, we just had. I would love to come down to a, a maker meetup down there. The issue is that every time they happen, it's like a Thursday night. Right. Which is just a very strange day for me to just be like, I'm going to take off work for two days and drive down to Portland. And I'd probably end up staying the night, right? So if it was a Friday or Saturday, it would make it right. more appealing to me. Make I it like a weekend kind of trip. and like Yeah. And the, yeah. yeah. I'd probably even bring the beard. I mean, it would be it'd be great. Would you, you bring the guy in five hours like drinking beer and playing pinball at ground control? Like life would be good. No, just the beard, not the not the person. I'm I'm still kind of convinced that that thing can like just detach. I mean, <laughs> just go, the beard is. It's just an animal that lives on his face. 
the beard is like an essence. It's not it's not just one man. It's kind of like a Doctor Who. Like the beard just it goes where it goes. No, that fella doesn't have a beard. That beard has a fella. Let's get real. This is true. Uh, so, Mark, be honest, because there's not a lot of kids that listen. Um, what is the longest wheelie that you've ever done <laughs> down a highway at 110 miles an hour? Because that's, yeah, that, that that's my understanding. Be, uh, that's not how I, I generally ride. I'm, I'm in it kind of for the long haul, so uh, I generally don't do the crazy shit. Um, I do want to focus on getting better on the dirt, because that's kind of one of my weaknesses, but... Uh, I do really, any kind of motorcycle, I really love it. Um, but I just, it's one of those things where I, I haven't had enough time this wintertime. Um, and that's really, it's, it's kind of an excuse, but uh, I do need to get back onto them. But no wheelies for me. I, I briefly had a motorcycle and the first time I took it on the interstate, I thought, oh, I really don't want to be next to the semi. I'm going to speed up a little bit and get away from it. And then right. next thing I knew, I was like, Oh, I'm probably doing like 80. I should slow down to the speed limit of 75. And I look down and it's 105 and I'm like, cool, I'm going home and I'm never riding this again. I don't have the sort of self-control for this. <clears throat> I mean, you, you definitely, for the longevity, you have to have a little bit of self-control, but, um, it, it is fun. <laughs> the wind well, and the, the hair. Braden, you sort of, went from a two-wheeled motorcycle to a four-wheeled Jeep, which is as close as you can get to a motorcycle with four wheels. And let's be honest, Brayden, you don't have self-control in general, so I, I don't really know don't. why you thought a motorcycle would fix that. Oh, I was young and dumb, as as one is when they buy rickety old motorcycles off, you know, from guys on Craigslist. So the safest thing for me, the safest thing for me was to chop off the back half and start modifying it because you can't ride it if the engine's not in it. So, and then years later you sell the whole thing just as a pile of parts. Yep. Pretty common. That's why you have to have two bikes. You have to have a running bike and a project bike. At least one project bike. Right. Yes. And that's the thing. That's why I like, Motorcycles much better than cars as far as like project based things go because to disassemble and spread out a car to work on I mean you've got two or three cars worth of space that you have to lay it flat and everything but a motorcycle is you can be pretty self-contained so You can have two or three projects in the same space That was the nice thing when I pulled the engine from the CBR It wasn't light But I could kind of like move it around myself. I, I right. couldn't do that with the Jeeps no. I just feel like Mark is enabling you right now, Brayden. Like, oh, it's oh. okay. You just have to have a running one and a, a, a working on one. It's fine. No. Yeah, do, you have, I, do you have two project Jeeps or do you just have the one? I <laughs> recently sold my project Jeep. Uh, like <laughs> Was six it also ago. in boxes? Uh, no, actually, I pulled it out of the storage unit. Uh, it had not left the storage unit in like three years, uh. Uh, but maybe once. And this was a trailer Jeep. So, I mean, this this thing was massive. And there was not a street legal thing on it. And it was, pardon my French, bitchin'. Like, it was sweet. Okay, okay Hannah. Uh, but, alas, it turns out when you've got a completely not street legal rock crawler 
and you live in one of the flattest states in the country and you've got to right. drive three hours and then you start a full-time woodworking business and it just it's just one of those things so i'll try it again i still have i have a gladiator it's bright green again bitchin but, it's a good thing you don't like to attract attention no i'm very subtle yeah yeah, modesty, he told me, was his most endearing characteristic. Who are we talking about? That and my Wait. cheeky boyish smile. So, Mark, can we talk a little bit about your lighting setup and camera preferences stuff so that if we do get some camera nerds uh, listening in, that, that, that we can chit-chat? Canon or Nikon, answer the question. Possibly. Um, well... Over the course of my career, I've shot all of them. Um, so I currently have uh, a couple of Canons that I use. Um, for a long time, I was shooting Hasselblad in the studio, and those are great. But they're just not really um, suited for the location stuff that I do. Um, or because I, you know, I split my time between motorcycles, shooting motorcycles, and then also, you know, people. And then obviously, whatever other kind of product things. And as you know, 20 years of experience, you've You've shot quite a few different things. Um, but I started back in the day when there was film. So, you know, I've shot 8x10s and 405s and 2 and a quarter and 35 millimeter and 220 and all that kind of stuff too. So, but so currently uh, just digital. So I have heard that 110 film, the one that looks like binoculars when you find uh -huh. it in your parents' dressers, yep. is slowly making a, a little comeback and that. Rocky I mean, Mountain I feel like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people discovering film for the first time because they weren't born when it was phased out. Um, I have mixed feelings about that from a production standpoint. You know, it's it's a real challenge timeline wise. Um, that was the main thing that really improved a lot, and the switch from film to digital was you had your turnaround. You could actually see exactly what you're doing. You could comp stuff together. You didn't have to like wait for the lab to get it back, then to scan it and then send it off to somebody else. Um, but I mean, there is a magic to it. And <clears throat> the one thing that I do feel, I feel like has been lost and I've talked about it in a couple other places. Um, the process of thinking through what your choices are in photography and how you're going to end up at the end of it. If it's going to be black and white, you need to shoot it like it's going to be black and white. You can't shoot it like it's going to be color. The lighting has to be in a slightly different position. You're going to be paying attention to different things. You're going to be working with reflective surfaces differently. Um, and that's one of the things that's been lost with digital is because you can just shoot it. You've got all the color information there and you just convert it. At least that's how some people do it. Whereas before you had to make a choice when you were shooting it, whether it was going to be black and white film or color, and you couldn't really take that. You can't take that color film and really make a good black and white print out of it. You can't make that black and white. And you can't make a color without obviously some watercolors. Um, so you don't get that experience of having to see only that kind of light work on a subject or a face or something. So that's one of the things I feel like has been lost with digital, but uh, who knows, maybe, maybe some people will, start to understand it as a whole linear process of all the decisions you start to make and the equipment you're using and not just, Oh, I can change it later in post. Yeah. And kids, the, you kids these days, no, the, 
younger generations just don't know about slapping like a four by five transparency down onto a light box and staring at that through a loop and just seeing the depth and the color that there was. And I mean, I know you can inkjet yourself a transparency in that size from a massive file. But I think it's also like, they don't know what they don't know. Right. Um, because they, you know, when we look back at what our our parents lived and what they were doing when they were kids, like that was a completely different world. And now we're the same thing. Like some of these, the people that have never known what it's like to not have a phone in your hand. It's, it's just a different experience. I, uh, funny story, got my daughter when she turned 10. Um, she, I got her one of those little pull motorcycle. No, not yet. Stop. CRF 50. Do it. <laughs> I got her one of those little Polaroid cameras. Okay. And the very first pic, well, I didn't get it for her. It was a present from her brother. Um, but she opened it. She was so excited. And she's like, oh, since since he got it for me, I want to take a picture, the first picture with him. And I'm like, okay, cool. You, you know, got them all set up, snap that picture. And she's like holding that Polaroid and she's shaking it. And she starts to see it and she like just mortified like caleb your eyes are closed and she was so upset and i'm like oh girlfriend yeah you you don't get 10 takes on this so right. it was it was cute and endearing and just like a moment of like yep this is what you used to have to do you got one shot yeah and especially like when you're shooting sheet film it's just you have to you shoot it and then you have to send it to the lab and then you have to wait for it and maybe there was a hair in the in the in the um uh the film holder and it's like you wouldn't have known that but you had to leave your setup overnight just to check the chrome in the next morning and it's like okay well then now we got to redo that whereas now it's like okay it's good let's move on um the downside is that you don't get as much time to kind of really work over it because a lot of it can happen in post um but it's very, it's very much a good and bad thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not really, I don't really support fully electric vehicles. Um, hot take, <clears throat> but because I think hybrids are a much better use of the materials for the battery sizes that we need to have a, a greater number of people have it be accessible. And there's not a great charging network, you know, all over in a lot of parts of the country, there isn't any charging network. So, You've got those kinds of infrastructure that have to be built out to accommodate it. Whereas if you have hybrid, then I think it's a, a better transitional piece. So when you modify your lights, <clears throat> yep. And and I've I've taken some close looks at some of your photos. Are you uh are you a box? Are you a gridded box? Are you an umbrella kind of guy? The big beauty dish man? What's your uh what's your pleasure? Uh well my my pleasure is I've used all of those. And again, it's like, there's not really one great answer. There's some of those things work really well for one thing. Like this last time, um, cause over the course of the maker camp, um, okay, so let me go, let me go back a little bit. When I had my setup at the, at the collective where the first maker showed up just randomly, you know, I had, 
a front light. I had some bounce. Uh, I had some bottom bounce. I probably had a couple of uh, grids from behind. I mean, I had like the full setup. So you got like six, seven, eight lights, whatever. Um, and then when I went to Spring Make, I, I knew that it had to be a bigger format because there were going to be more people. And so on that one, I had V-flats where I had two heads in each side to make the white, pure white behind. And then I had like, I think two front umbrellas with faces. And then I had an overhead back kicker for the hair. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, it's, it's overkill, but it was, um, it's how, I sh it's how you shoot fashion. Right. <clears throat> and that was the experience I wanted to give. Um, and so I loaded all that up because a couple months later, Jimmy and uh, Patrick and Austin had come up with this idea of this maker camp event. And they're like, Hey, do you think you want to, you know, be a part of this? Would you, would you come up and, um, you know, it's upstate New York. It's in October. It's our first time. We don't know what it's going to be like. Do you want to come up? And I was like, sure. Cause that's on my motorcycle trip. I learned, I kind of learned this, relearned this philosophy of if it sounds cool, if it's going to be fun, just say yes. I mean, I'm not, I may lose money. I may not, you know, I may not make any money. I may, may just entirely be done for the experience, but if it's going to be fun, I'm going to do it. And so I said, yes. And I loaded up all the stuff that I had shot before <clears throat> at spring break. And I show up and I figured I'd be inside somewhere. I figured, you know, cause there's, you know, <laughs> the buildings, blah, blah, blah. And so Austin walks me over to where I shoot and it's corrugated steel open on all sides, wind howling through. And I'm like, I've got one outlet I can plug into. I'm like a 15 amp circuit. And I'm like, well, most of my gear is staying in the truck. <laughs> so, cause I've got a wind tunnel. I know stuff's going to be blown around. I know I don't have power for it because I can really only run one light and a laptop. And so that really just focused me down to the essentials. So I've got a background that I've got bagged and I've got one umbrella um, with a front face on it. And then I've got uh, some reflection. And that was how I started. Um, and that first year, like nobody really knew what to expect. No one had seen you know, a couple of people that had been to Spring Make had come up, and then the, some of the makers that I'd met the year before, um, you know, they kind of knew what it, getting a picture was going to be like. But um, it was really almost like I was busking on the subway, like pulling people in to, like, get a picture and say, you know, try to say, hey, you know, I'm going to take your picture and I'm going to email it to you because why not, right? And that's how it started. Did you know that you were going into it, like, I'm, this is all going to be black and white? Yeah, yeah, I did. Because yeah. I, because I had shot when I when I moved to Cleveland, I wanted to kind of do some fun projects, some portraiture and stuff. Um, and I thought black and white would be a nice way to go because everybody looks good in black and white. Like you know, if you've got skin things or if you've got a sunburn or whatever it is, I think it kind of goes away. And then also, I can show all those pictures from various different things, and they all kind of match. Like the lighting, the color isn't you know would be wouldn't would be kind of an issue or. Somebody's got like a pink jacket and someone's got an orange dress and someone's got, so it'd be distracting from the color side of things. So that was really the beginning of the process of thinking of let's go black and white. Let's make it very traditional. Let's kind of explore the medium. Um, it's something I started doing when I was in high school and I really loved it. Um, but I hadn't really focused on that um, commercially. So uh, it just kind of really started 
me leaning into that and kind of developing my own digital recipes for how I process the files so so they look like the way they look. Yeah, no, a lot of your images, especially in front of the white sweep, I think have sort of that Richard Avedon feel to them, right? Mm -hmm. You've got like really, really sharp focus, really, really good blacks in all of them. And he's got a series that I personally like where he sort of went to like the American Southwest uh-huh. and was yeah. photographing vagrants in the desert. And I feel like, again, <clears throat> you capture a lot of that essence with the maker community as well. It's got a similar energy. I think it's cool. So. Well, I think like, so like when he was shooting, he was shooting with eight by 10 cameras. And um, I feel like, like, you know, I'm not really sure how he lit it. I know some of it was natural light and reflection and stuff like that. I've, I had seen a lot of that stuff in the magazines uh, back in the day and when they printed magazines. Um, but I looked at everything, like literally if it was a picture, if it was in a photo magazine, if it was in a photo book, I would go to the local bookstore and in Portland, that's Powell's where it's like four stories of books. And so I would just like stand in the photo section and just like flip through them. And like, and like you do, like look in the, look in the eyes, see what the, the lighting is. And so I looked at everything. And so I can't really say that like Avedon, if it's an, a, an influence it, it is an influence because there's people there and it isn't black and white but it's not anything that i'm consciously like referring to or thinking of oh i've got to make it look like that picture it's more about capturing that person and i don't think we i'm pretty sure we probably didn't work in the same way um because once <clears throat> once i've got my light up once i've lit it you'll generally you'll not see my my modeling light on i don't use the modeling light on those um Unless, you know, at nighttime, then I got to turn on because I got to have something to see by. But once it's lit, I know that if, if you're in front of me, I've got some sweet spots, you know, where different things happen in that kind of sphere of light. Um, but I'm not even really looking at that. I don't really care. Um, that's not my focus. It, it ends up looking lit because that's kind of the subconscious focus. But the real focus is just talking to that person and listening to their story and their energy. And I look at it like when their energy is peaking, that's when I'm taking the picture, not when they're looking in the best light because the light's not on. I don't care about that. I really just want to have that energy. So that's the moment that I'm trying to capture is just them fully having their energy come out in a conversation and an expression and just allow them to be in that moment seen for who they are as a person without any kind of judgment or editing. So TJ, I know you've obviously seen these photos, but you've never been photographed by Mark, obviously. Nope. Um, it is kind of fun. No, it's really fun actually to like go back and watch like the whole series, like he's talking about, like the moments that he's capturing. Because I mean, he captures like these real authentic laughing hyped moments and stuff, but like the whole series that he sends you at the end of it is so cool. And it's so fun to look back at. Um, it also gets really uncomfortable sometimes because he gets like this close to your face. Camera lens right here. And he's sometimes. like, it's fine. Oh, and you're important. like, ah. yeah. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting, getting kind of hot in here. Ah! <laughs> oh, somebody tagged stone in the comments. He might be awake. 
Could be. Could be. I saw him in here earlier. Okay, so let's say you were going to take another trip from Cleveland. Oh, wait, no, wait, 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 one second, one second. Well, think of that. But then, so going back to this year, so since I shot, every year I try to change the lighting a little bit, whether it's, you know, a little different angle, a little different, con like whatever it is, just to kind of give somebody another style of picture. And they'll, they'll exist in the same um kind of visual space, but they'll be different enough that it doesn't look like they got the same picture every year. And this year I was like, well, you know, I might as well do something that's different because I want it to be really different for myself. So I, I basically lit two overlapping sets on two different channels of lights that had two different effects. And then that basically gave me six different positions around the space that I could shoot pictures that would have different angles of light, different reflectivity, different energy. Um, and that was just kind of a kind of juggling the balls kind of thing to just give a people a wide range of variety. And then also kind of let me have the tools that if somebody had a certain look that I thought would look better in one kind of light, I would move them to one spot and then somebody else would come up with different clothing or different energy and I move them to a different spot. That's really cool and flexible. Yeah. And very flexible. At the same time. Right. Cause you're probably working out of like a, I don't know. 20 by 20 or smaller, right? Yes, yeah, so somewhere in that space, maybe a little bit longer, but yeah. And this year we had the rain. So I knew that the rain was coming and I had built the set kind of under the overhang and then all my stuff's in tubs. So when it started raining, I mean, it was unbelievable. And like the top half of the, um, the place where we shoot, the water kept inching down and down and down. And like it kept, like it'd cover the first five feet and then it did the first 20 feet and then like 25 feet and then they were digging trenches around it and it was crazy it was and wild next thing you know one of his tubs was just like <laughs> floating down the hill right a little boat right a little total boat con contest winner dude there goes mark swimming after his gear he's yeah. like come back somebody take a picture this is this is an interesting moment that's our camera guy. That's the that's the photography guy. What what do we do? Uh, so what are you, uh, Mark? What are you working on right now? Anything um, super fun? <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, since I'm an idiot, I decided that it'd be a great time because there's five years of Maker Camp. That there'd be a really cool thing to put a book together where I put all my favorite shots from the various different years and then have it at maker camp or and I was trying to think like if I do it on like a self-publishing thing where people can order it, then if they can't go to maker camp, then they can order it. Um, or I might bring some to maker camp and then, you know, it'd be like a yearbook where everybody could run around and sign everybody's pages and stuff. Um, and I thought maybe oh, I'll find my, my favorite hundred pictures. And like right now I'm at like 500 pictures and I'm, those are like my favorite 500 pictures. So I've got to kind of condense it down a little bit. I mean, have a great summer. Never change. To, uh, anyone locally who could help you with like print on demand publishing so that like you can copyright your images and whatever copy you're going to want to do, but then the orders are placed digitally and then fulfilled individually through a printer have you seen that yeah, before i mean i mean I, I'm, I mean that's kind of what i was thinking i know like amazon has like those self-publishing and then you can order that and then that's kind of basically print on demand 
Um, but I don't know of any like smaller local places, but I'm still kind of in the early phases of kind of exploring how I want to want to do it. I love the yearbook idea. I mean, says the girl who walked around WorkbenchCon last year in boots that people signed. So, I mean, I love that idea, like, a lot. You just like well, signatures. I, yeah, right. Well, I want, like, because I went through, I'm, I'm, like, still going through all the images. And so I want, my concept was I would try to find my favorite and then group those people's pictures so that I would find the best picture of them. So I wasn't, like, having, like, ten pictures of, like, Pat Lap, and then like one per picture of like you guys. So I wanted to kind of narrow it down so everybody had a small amount, but there were the best pictures of them. And that was, you know, some of it's like I remember the conversation I had when I took this picture or what they were telling me about, or um, like this expression's really good, or there's like a really great energy of four or five people that are in that in that picture. So there's gonna be some people that aren't going to be in there probably just maybe I haven't found a, the great picture of them yet, or I've got to cut it at some point. Cause each year I'm shooting, I don't know, five to 7,000 pictures or something like that. So <clears throat> it's a little insane. Let's be honest. It's going to be 50 pages of Jeff. Right. And then one page of 400 other people all Photoshopped in like, uh, like to a, a composite photo of Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yes. it'll be it'll be arranged in his picture. If you squint, it's still Jeff. Yes. Um okay. None of us were a hundred percent sure when you posted that post of Jeff and the birthday. <laughs> that threw all of us off and we all forgot that it actually was his birthday. Well, cause I think like sometimes I like to, you know, mess with some people and they'll be like I just got like 10 birthday messages, like randomly, like why, why do people think it's my birthday? And so it's just a little bit of fun for me. I got, I got them for like a week after. <laughs> hey, sorry, I missed your birthday. I'm like, cool. You're early or late. So Mark, do you, do you know that it actually was Jeff's birthday? You were just like a week late. <laughs> Coincidence. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And then everyone felt like a bad friend because nobody wished him a happy birthday. <clears throat> okay. So in your professional opinion as, yep. as a, a worker of you know, lighting and photography and all that, uh -huh. was the moon landing faked? <laughs> no. <clears throat> Is nope. the earth flat? Blink twice if you were forced to say this by a government operative. I see that that awfully flat state that you're living in has uh, affected your perspective. I keep looking. I don't see this ocean that everybody keeps telling me about. <laughs> right. Yeah, and the NBA is choreographed. And uh, what are some other fun ones? We're oh, a tin foil a not only makes a stylish hat, but it will block the government's mind control rays. That's We're important. all in a simulation. <sighs> Mark's like, what did I sign up for? <laughs> so now, so now you said you 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 went to school for photography and and 
I did, yeah. So I uh, I was going to end up with an art degree, but then I switched to communication school because it turns out I can't draw. Okay. But I came like this close to an art degree because printmaking is basically just real fancy tracing. Nice. Um, and uh, anyway, the uh, I got into printmaking and then really dove down a photography rabbit hole because I actually liked the printing side of it a lot. I like the chemistry and the magic and doing non-silver stuff. And it's uh, it's a really, really fun medium. And when I was finishing school, like the Lomo cameras were really hitting their stride. Okay. Coming out with all kinds of funky new stuff all mm -hmm. the time. Yep. And uh, yeah, so you could, you could get pretty wild. But I did like the amount of control and constructing a photograph that you got in the studio, right? So you can still get wild, but you can get wild on purpose. And that was, that was pretty great. So. Um, so are you doing any of the printmaking too or anything or? Like as an adult? Yeah. Uh, I've cut some linoleum blocks in like the last five years, but I, uh, I do most of my, my printing is, is now holding wood turning tools. I make bowls. Okay. Yeah. A lot of, lot of bowls, a lot of big bowls, a lot of small bowls. And then there's a Rolly Flex kind of like just over that heap of crap right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can still get 120 film locally also. And so I've got a pile of exposed 120 film, but I don't know. Getting it developed is just, it's low on the, the family priority totem pole. Right. Well, you just you give it to your kids as a graduation present from college so that it's vintage, 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 and they can develop that for their childhood. It's not the worst idea I've ever heard. And by yeah, then, it'll probably be $50 a roll to process. Yeah, right. By the time they get around to it. This um, whole roll of film is just shots of dad's belly button. What the heck is this? He held the camera backwards at his belly button. He had a henna tattoo around his belly button. Hey, what the heck is surf prep? And until you see it personally, what in the heck is surf prep? And what is their thing with porpoises? Look, man, if you're gonna have a tattoo made out of henna, it should be a ring of porpoises, and it also needs the word "forever" involved because henna <laughs> tattoos are forever. I feel like there's and a that, deep that metaphor. That tattoo goes front and back. I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 Well, the circle of porpoises is more like a belt of porpoises. That would be pretty amazing. Ooh, no secret suspenders. If Jesse was going to find a way to convince me to get a tattoo, I so dearly want like a really not so classy like tribal armband. But I want you to be able to like squint and look at it. And I want it to be able to actually read everybody Wang Chung tonight because that would be fucking hilarious. Okay. I thought I could make that. We could we could make that happen in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, like I've had Chat GPT draw it up for me a couple of times because I think it's hilarious. But and you've been hitting the sauce a little bit too. Well, I mean, fun is fun, yeah. right? Jesse TJ keeps suggesting like if somebody twists my arm to get a tattoo at Workbench Con, I think the lady doth protest a little too much. You got? I, I mean, I got tattooed at, in Atlanta last year. So, yeah, it's it's a possibility. 
Don't I mean, I'm really me surprised at Bacon Camp that we haven't had a tattoo person because it's that like actually kind of comes as a surprise to me too. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of tattooed people. Mm-hmm. Next year. Yep. We'll yeah. we'll surprise you with something next year, Mark. Okay, yeah. nice. Not next year, this year, October. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I have to spend Anyways, now in October tattooing watermelons and. Uh, that's what you practice on, right? Because the ink will go into the watermelon skin. I don't personally tattoo watermelons, but hey, if that's your thing. Well, I can't practice on people. I guess my dog got some room. Start putting tattoos on my dog, but I think they'll take it, and that's not okay. Yeah, I think they would take your dog. I would take your dog. According to the secret, but it was from when she got spayed. So, according to the Secret Life of Pets, which I've watched about a thousand times, uh, pigs. Pig skin. Yeah, there's the pig. There's the pig that that has all the tattoos on him. Yeah, but okay. Not intentionally offending all the vegans and vegetarians in the chat right now, but like <laughs> that pig skin could be turned into chicharrones, boys and girls. And I wonder if you tattoo it first and then fry it, do you get tattooed chicharrones? And now I'm going to lose two hours tonight on the internet to find out. Or your pigs can just be friends and not food. Exactly. No, fish fish are friends, not food. No, fish are food, not friends. I don't remember from that Finding Nemo documentary. I think that you have it backwards. I do. But but fish. Um, should we get to a, a fan question? All Please. Right. Okay. Well, I guess it's not really a question. There's no question mark. But this is this is a direct quote for Mark. Are you ready? Please explain in a multi-paragraph essay format how meeting Jeff from Maker's Way changed your life for the best. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I feel like there was a part of me that didn't that that hadn't fully bloomed until I uh, busted his balls uh, at Jimmy's, and that that really brought me into my own by like you know. Really, really doubling down on some of those uh, digs. And then, you know, obviously, at some point, I think Jeff is actually going to start tattooing people uh, next to my photo set. So that's kind of what, what I was going for. Okay. <laughs> that could I, be. Yeah, I feel like Jeff, I think, I think that would keep him out of trouble if he was like supposed to be there and, uh, and tattooing people. I that think could he be would be this too year's... distracted having you as a neighbor. No, 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 you guys, no, you guys I, I are, just... you're missing the opportunity for synergy. You said that you try and change how you take the portraits every year so that they're a little bit different. This year, you only take portraits of people actively getting tattoos by Jeff. Yeah. Think of the raw emotion you'll be able to capture in those moments. Yeah. And if you thought my line was long this year. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait until we give Jeff a tattoo gun made out of a Casio Walkman Bic pen ink. Well, Which is how I think at least two of his tattoos were made. So. What was that? You got you guys follow 21 grams and seen what he's been doing with the leather? He's been taking the tattoo gun and like using it on the leather that he's been working. Oh, that's Very cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, and he because he had just gone up to Maker Camp 
uh, to the Blackthorn to, to teach the leather with Ethan. Oh, so they just like made the shoes. Yeah. That's kind of cool because then you could like put a design in your leather shoe. Right. Before you make it. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's so cool. Yeah, idea. yeah. No, go, go check out his page and he's got a bunch of stuff where he's like tattooing like bags and hands and like wallets and stuff. This is almost getting a little out of hand. We've got Hugh telling us to incorporate leather into the woodworking, and now we've got to incorporate tattoos into the leatherwork into the woodworking. Like, this is there's a lot of moving parts here. I know, and then we're gonna have to put resin all over the top of it. Oh yeah, obviously the entire thing sponsored by Total Boat. Total Boat, okay. baby. Oh, that is really cool. Um. Okay, Mark, left turn. So travels. You're kind of all over the place, and. I promised the people that we would get into why we had just a random video of a rhinoceros in your intro video. Let, uh, well, can we start with that and then to kind of like see where we go with your worldly travels from there? Uh, well, my buddy Dave and I in February went to Nepal with um, a company called Motorcycle Sherpa that guides, uh, I think it's like 10 or 12 day tours of, uh, kind of along the Annapurna Trail up into the Himalayas um, on uh, Royal Enfield motorcycles. And one of the stops, we were waiting for dinner. We're just kind of, we had uh, we had like an eight, eight o'clock reservation and it was like seven o'clock. So we're just walking up and down, looking at the shops and stuff. And then Dave's like, grab your camera. And I'm like, what? Holy. And we're just filming this, this rhino walking by. And it was completely insane. And, the guy who runs the tours, he's been doing it for like eight years and he's never seen a rhino. Like never seen a rhino or never seen a rhino in town? Like, period. Like there's an elephant sanctuary down down the road a ways that we also, you know, went to and then had a kind of a boat ride that shows, you know, the wildlife and everything. And um, so you've seen elephants, but no just wild rhinos walking down the street. How are you so calm in that moment and not freaked out when it was like five feet from you? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of times, like you could tell it didn't care. Like it, we weren't really on its radar at all. It was just walking through town. It was just having its evening stroll. As long as we didn't do anything to it, it didn't care. And that little dog, like, we're like, what's that dog thinking? Like it just keeps yapping at it. And nope, that, that, that rhino was just walking down, going wherever it wanted to go. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I feel like when you're just like rolling around with like built in armor, things just don't tend to bother you. Right. And it didn't have a bunch of people in, you know, when you see those videos of people going up to the bison and like getting right up into its face, trying to take a selfie with it, you've got to be pretty stupid to think that a 2,000 pound animal really is not going to hurt you if it touches you. Yeah, bison are the size of Volkswagen Beetles. It is it is unnerving. Yeah, and they're fast. They're surprisingly fast. And then we get into Mises, and I mean, those are just deceptively big. Sorry, the singular moose. Yes, yeah, there's, a, there's a reel of a moose just blasting through snow that makes its way through my... Oh yeah, doom swiping, and every time I stop, because because it's so awesome, and 
and they're so big. They're so big. They're not really majestic, though. I think they're powerful, but like when I think majestic, it's like gazelle or something. But and they're just it's a little I'm rocky sorry, and bullwinkle. They're, they're like what? Are, what? what are they like? Rocky and bullwinkle. <laughs> Oh, okay. Now it makes sense. That one made sense. That, right. that was good. Yeah. All right, Mark. The time is now 9.55, and I want to ask you if there's anything that you want to talk about today that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Uh, I mean, every time, I, every time I'm on like something like this, I always like to try and shout out my friends because, um, like, you know, like the MotoGo benefit is coming up in March. I think it's March 16th. And they're um, they're raffling a Harley Davidson motorcycle. So if you go to their page, you can go and it's I don't know what year it is. It looks I don't know. It's probably either late seventies or early eighties um, bagger. Um, but you know it's pretty good odds probably. Um, and it's out of Cleveland. So if you're in Cleveland or the Midwest or St. Louis is nine hours away. Um, but it's a great thing because they they have classes at. The building that they're at or they also will take um, motorcycles and set up a class at each of the schools that they teach at and it gives kids an opportunity to get their hands on learn how to do something succeed in taking down a motor getting a bike started um, just being able to be exposed to that at such a young age and not having you know you may not have a motorcycle sitting in your backyard to take apart like what your kids do but not every kids do so that's one of the people I like to talk about all the time. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm going to try and get back to Cleveland in March and take pictures at the benefit. Um, but all the community spaces that are open to you, like Soulcraft or Skidmark, where you can do something that you love and share your energy with people and like bring people into it. Like I really love those kind of spaces. So those are the kind of things I like to talk about. Does Rock and Roll Hall of Flames still have the inflatable Pink Floyd wall in there? I have never been there. That's okay. The, the wall is inflatable. Yeah, there's like a display of Pink Floyd's The Wall, and it's like all of the weird, cartoony, wild stuff. But it was there when I was there like 15 years ago. Actually, it's probably more than that now. Time flies. But Cleveland's a great, a great city, and I everyone's always surprised that I moved from california to, to cleveland but you know it's it really is you know everybody i've ever met there like i i roll in there and i'm there for five minutes off the road and people are offering to let me use the shower at their house like they've never met me before and they're just like so welcoming and it's just it's amazing yeah it's not especially close but the art scene in columbus also is really surprisingly good yeah no i've and i've and the guy that runs a motorcycle sherpa he's out of um columbus he has old bike barn as well and uh, white knuckler brand um, knives and things. Um, those are all out of Cleveland <clears throat> or out of Columbus. Sorry. So I'll get, I'll get down there occasionally. And then uh, when we try to get down to Southern Ohio to ride uh, off road down there, we'll, we'll ride a little bit close to there. I gotta be honest. My entire understanding of Cleveland comes from the two the episodes. No, of 30 rock. Where they okay. where where Liz Lemon moves to moves to Cleveland. It's just everyone's so nice. Yeah, no, it's it's a great town, and I 
I had never really thought that I was going to move to Cleveland until I rode through and I discovered it. And then I was there for, I don't know, a couple months and my dad sends me an email and he's like, this is a house in Cleveland that your grandmother lived when she was 16. And so I rolled over to that address and the house is still there. So I've got a Cleveland connection that I didn't even know about until I moved there. Oh, that's cool. Please tell me you're going to buy that house <laughs> one day. <laughs> I don't think so. He doesn't have to. He can just walk up to the front door, knock, and he can go take a shower anytime he wants, it sounds like. That's true. Yeah, they can. That's the Cleveland way. Yes. There you go. Um, well, and then, like, obviously motorcycles, you know, another passion. So the photography and the motorcycles are kind of the two things that I really like doing. And, um, and again, everybody thinks of me as a photographer, but during the pandemic, I spent you know, a couple of years remodeling uh, a house doing, you know, plumbing, electrical, resanding hardwood floors, sheetrock, tile, landscaping. So it's, you know, it's pretty dirty hands at that point too. I love it. Speaking of sanding, have you heard about ProFoam Surf Prep? I was going to, I was going to try, <laughs> try and work a pitch in there, but. I didn't have I didn't have the, the the truck wasn't gassed up in my brain. I mean, he's talking about home renovation, so you I mean could talk about surf prep. Yeah, I did a lot new of sanding. Line of sanding drywall sandpaper. It's drywall abrasives. Oh, so, so like what, nine so what, What's their special? What's their specialty? Do they is it one industry or another that they manufacture for? Or? Surf prep. Uh, yeah. They're in all lines of abrasives. So they have sanders, abrasives, um, dust collection. Um, I was talking to Hannah the other day and she's like, yeah, their main customer is actually painters, which is interesting. You know, just going through all the drywall, which I love my surf prep stuff and I hate drywall. And I put the love and the hate to like to duke it out. And it turns out even with surf prep, I still hate drywall. Yeah, drywall, drywall is a lot of dust. It sucks a lot less with the vac system, though. And I have learned that. I've done way too much drywall in the last six months. And I finally just drug my whole setup inside and just went to town with my six-inch and a squishy pad on it. It was awesome. I mean, the amount of dust that was left at the end was very minimal. My hair still felt terrible afterwards, but... The dust on the floor was not that bad. Because now what do you have left to do on the house? A lot. Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there is a lot. It's kind of long, though. So. Uh, well, we are, we're coming up on our hour, and uh, we, we pride ourselves at only making you suffer for a, t- for a tight 60 minutes. Uh, so before... We let TJ just just off the leash to do whatever the heck he wants. Uh, we want to thank our uh, sponsors again. Obviously, Surf Prep, uh, George Supply Co., Team Stone. I don't I don't know, man. I'm kind of a Team Hop guy, but don't tell Stone that. Hold on. Tell... <laughs> How many shirts do you have? Amazing. Have? There we go. That's true friendship right there. Oh, that was amazing. Um, 
Mark, where where can everybody find you? What's the best? Uh, place well, you on the Instagram is is the best place to see all the either the current work or the like. Oh, right now I'm editing, and the ones I find that I'm surprised by, I'll, I'll be posting those. So they're not really they're not current, but um, I try to tell what year it's from so people can kind of see what they look like back then. Um, and so that's just Mark Adams Pictures on Instagram, and then the websites uh, Mark Adams Pictures as well. So for all of your photo and uh, commercial needs. So if you're not following Mark Adams, go do it now. And if if you don't, we can no longer be friends. So catch 22. There we go. You're going to get either a lot or negative followers from that one. Um, but thank you so much for, for hanging out with us for an hour. It was, uh, yeah, it was great getting to know you, know a little bit more about about your involvement in the maker community. Um, I still had no idea that anybody actually was in Cleveland. So it's nice to meet one person. Um, <laughs> well, I th- and I think like there's so much like Portland's got a, we just actually toured a, a maker space in, um, in Portland that we were checking out because my girlfriend, Sarah wants to get back into woodworking. She'd done, um, some furniture and stuff like that. Um, and so she's, got all the she's got 10 more experience with wood tools than i do um but she doesn't really have space at the house to do it so she's looking at a space in portland um called past lives that we looked at i think they've got 21 or twenty nine thousand square feet of space and they've got metal they've got plastics they've got glass they've got beadwork um they've got small spaces that you can rent too so that's a, a place that we just toured um and then, obviously, if you're in Portland, the Portland Maker meetups are always the thing. Jesse, I think that's directed at you. Friday or Saturday? <clears throat> hey, I don't, I'm not a part of scheduling. Uh, you know, there's a few other people. I just, you know, I just recently got reacquainted with them uh, and took some portraits there. So was able to kind of bring kind of Maker Camp East a little bit west for, for one night when they... Uh, had a thing at a, at a brewery, uh, Migration Brewing. So um, they were generous enough to let me set up and take some pictures in there. I know yeah. I heard about it that one Thursday night. I know somebody from up there came down. Yeah, Kamani. The celebrity. You left me IT, here. IT celebrity. Um, all right. Jesse, you got any any last write-in questions? Anything Anything you want? to go over i i don't actually have any other questions i'm just really thankful that you decided to come spend the evening with us and chit chat of course all right that's all it's i like, have it's, to say. You find it really weird to like look because right now it's on my screen it's stacked in heights so every time people are talking i'm like <laughs> it's a it's a, sub, a subliminal thing it's like in yeah. sales where you got to get people nodding so okay. we just figure if people are nodding the entire time they're going to tell people that they had a pleasant time on the show and we'll get yeah. more people okay so it's it's very very psychological so all right tj speaking of psychological and psychology i tend to wrap up every single episode that i'm on by asking our guest one final request which is would you be willing to share with us a motivational thought or a quote or a reason to kick open the door of your workshop or go get awesome or take a risk. What would you, uh, what would you like to share with the other boys and girls? Um, well, I mean, I think 
I'll just I'll tell like the one of the things that drives me to, to create and to to be the way I am. Um, and it's just trying to build that connection between people. Um, and really just be genuinely interested in the people that are right in front of you. So when you're on my set and I'm asking you a question, I really want to know that answer. And I'm, you know, I'll look back at a picture in a couple of years and I'll remember the story you told me because I was trying to be really present in those moments and try to just be that with the people around you. Love it. All right. And with that, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. So, uh, Everybody, we'll be back next Wednesday. Same uh, bad time, same bet. Oh, Stone is just like peeking out at me. Ooh, <laughs> hey Stone. Uh, same same bad time, same bad channel. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye bye.